welcome back to Everybody Loves Everybody Loves Raymond. It's the only Everybody Loves Raymond rewatch podcast currently active on the market today. Um, so as we like to say, you're stuck with us. Uh, I'm Adam. I'm joined by Alex Shear, as always. That's me. And yeah, hi. Uh, the man formerly known as Mike D, but presently known as Mike E. You don't need to. You don't need to pull my cover like that, Adam. I'm a little offended, but that's well, okay. It's important to establish which Mike you are because that's we are true. joined by a very special guest today, um, who comes through us through our previous guest, Olivia Hartle, <laughs> who continues to be the best booking agent uh, that we have ever not paid to book this show. Um, Mike <laughs> Wersh is here. Mike, you're a writer, an actor, uh, a lover, I assume. Uh, so that's why we wanted you here today. I am all three things. Primarily the lover part, mm -hmm. uh, because we also, like Andy and Ray in this episode, we have a lot of questions about women, men, Christmas. <laughs> so we will be throwing to you. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be here arms wide open, ready to catch. <laughs> Creed style. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us today, uh, Mike. Uh, First question we ask every one of our guests is, um, how'd you meet Ray? How'd you come to know? So uh, I, I won't say it was appointment television uh, growing up, but it was definitely something that would be would be on. And if it was on, I would sit down and watch it. And I've seen <laughs> a fair share of Everybody Loves Raymond um, just by virtue of uh, being born when I was born <laughs> and growing up when I grew up. Um, and, and you know what? I, I like it. It's, it's just a, a generally pleasant show to watch. That is the experience of most people that we've talked to who there's two camps. There's, I've never heard of this show slash. I hate this show. They share a camp. And then, yeah, I remember that show is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, very few people are like each of us. I watched it all in syndication Alex sat down and watched it end to end on Netflix. And Mike was more like you. Mike E was, was more like yeah. you who, you know, it was around. It was on. This was the time uh, your parents enjoyed it, if I recall. Yes, that's right. They, But um, I do remember uh, there were because I was very young when I was growing up and watching it. There were a few episodes where they were like, well, we can't watch this with you and they would change the channel pretty sure this was probably one of them this yeah. definitely would be one of them i i'm so sad to, to imagine just like it's like you know the holiday season and your parents are like oh it's it's the christmas <laughs> season let's watch a nice christmas episode of like our emily show and just like it's only about sex i like to yeah. imagine that there were families around the country who taped this episode on their vcr and <laughs> look the christmas episode just aired but we're gonna save it for christmas morning everyone and then they all went downstairs and before they could open their presents oh God. they all had, they had to, to watch, the... watch the magic hands and then from that group of people there's probably a small subset that was just delighted with what they saw. Oh yeah, Merry Christmas to me. Yeah. That, that that changed a select few people's uh, lives forever. That that episode. Yeah. Wow. Um, so Mike, um, Ray was not appointment television, but what for you was? What was like the show for you, or one of the shows growing up that you really actually wanted to see? So this is no longer true. This hasn't been true since. 
probably high school, but uh, I loved watching wrestling, uh, WCW, WWF. <laughs> that awesome. was appointment television, if I, if I could uh, do it. That's fantastic. So did you have a favorite wrestler? Did you have, or one like particular storyline that you followed? Uh, Mankind, Mick Foley, was, is, is, still is, continues to be the greatest. Uh, and mm-hmm. he, he loves Christmas as well. <laughs> it's just incidental. Um, and he like, he, he does the whole mall Santa thing. He like, there's a, there's a great documentary. I think it's called I am Santa and Mick Foley is in that documentary. And, uh, so are a bunch of other Santa Clauses and it's, uh, it'll pull out your heartstrings. It's a good Christmas watch. It's wow. So funny. Beautiful. I'm not I don't go deep in in the world of wrestling, but I do love the idea of just a world of just a world famous wrestler putting on the 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 Santa garb just to for for wholesomeness. That sounds really really fun. Yeah. Of all the wrestlers, he he his physique is good for it, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. You don't want Santa to be too jacked. I think, you know, rippling, oily muscles. You want Santa yeah, even, with no, a little bowl like even full in of that jelly. new uh in that new like kind of diehard but Christmas movie, Violent Night, they got uh they got the the <laughs> dude the Hopper from Stranger Things to do it. Not uh mm-hmm. not Vin Diesel. <laughs> David Harbour. And it was That's it. perfect. That's it. <laughs> Mike and I saw that for the for like 2 days before Christmas. Mike our bad Mike, not guest Mike. Um, and just Mike E, yeah, 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 that's it, yeah, um, yeah, and just absolute and absolute treat. I like how your distinction between them is Mike E is a value judgment, but Mike W is just a get, he's just the state of I I don't know, first thing that came to mind, yeah. (laughs) I was just gonna ask, um, did you were you a big fan of any other sitcoms or were your were your two main uh, forms of entertainment was it wrestling and Raymond was that uh... uh oh I still I still watch Jeopardy and I watched that growing okay. up a lot um mm-hmm. and first I, I like Seinfeld mm. yeah classic Seinfeld was a good just a good watch growing up yeah we a lot of you'd be surprised or maybe you wouldn't be but a lot of the guest stars who show up on Raymond also did one episode of Seinfeld or two episodes of Seinfeld as different characters uh, so it's really the same kind of wheelhouse. This Frasier, um, somebody who was a guest star in this episode, was on an episode of Wings. Oh, really? Which is like the tier hmm. below, but is still like that same wheelhouse. Wow. Wheelhouse. There you go. <laughs> that was interesting. Um, so what are you watching now? We always like to ask to draw a contrast. Let's see. What what are we watching? We just finished. Uh, we just finished Wednesday. Mm. Oh, which is, ooh, how which is, is enjoyable. that? Like it. It's it's a good campy fun. Uh, and if you like the Adams Family, I think you would you would dig it. Fantastic. Kind of a modern mm. twist on a classic. <laughs> That's you're really selling it. Yeah. <laughs> and this is uh, everybody <laughs> loves everybody loves Raymond, sponsored by Wednesday on Netflix. <laughs> We wish. Oh my gosh, we wish. Oh, but uh, a show that the only show I recommend to people because I don't like to recommend anything to anyone because uh, because that's how you disappoint people. But Severance <laughs> is just top notch. It's really oh, good. Wait, is, 
Is that the one I um yeah I've seen I I haven't watched it myself but I've I, I've heard all about this this is is this the one with the that's the oh I might be getting it mixed up with Succession now that I'm thinking of it is this isn't the one with the uh, the, uh, the Succession family, Vince right? the the family the fa- the, the business um now no, you're thinking no. of the Sopranos I'm thinking <laughs> they all start with an S they all start yeah it's they are they are S shows um, Severance is <laughs> the about... S averse. <laughs> Severance is about, uh, there's a procedure you can get that will separate your work life from your home life. Oh, interesting. And the people who have had this procedure done and just what, what goes on. So is it like you just forget everything, uh, from your work day when you yeah. go home and vice versa? Yeah. You have like a work mind and a, and a home mind and they do not intersect. Oh my God. I want So that. you don't know what happens at work. You don't know what. <laughs> When you're at work, you don't know what happens at home. These people don't know like what their what their deal is. It's fascinating. Yeah, I saw that looked good. It's getting harder for me to justify not paying for Apple TV Plus at this point. Like they finally got when it was just the morning show and that Tom Hanks submarine movie. I was like, <laughs> no, nah, it's not worth it. But now they've finally got some good stuff on there. They so. got Severance. They got Ted Lasso too. Yeah, they. they, they yeah, I don't care about that. You I don't keep care about Ted Lasso. I keep hearing about it. I gotta watch it. I'm the only one on the Ted Lasso train. It's great. It's, it's a good one. Yeah. The only Thank Ted you. Lasso I care about is the rodeo clown that uh, delivered me uh, when I was born. <laughs> All right. I feel like there's a story there. We don't have time. Was this during just a rodeo? Don't have time. Yeah, mid rodeo. So what you have to know is that my mother was a famous rodeo clown. This guy was like a lesser rodeo clown. He's more like a clown clown, like the the rodeo clown, dist- <laughs> there's like a second tier. Yeah, so my mother, uh, she was mid, you know, bull distraction, her water broke, um, and she was running, trying to get back to the pen and hop over the wall, uh, and as she was lifting herself over the wall, of course, I fell out. Luckily, Ted Lasso was there, and of course... He lassoed, wrapped around me perfectly, kept me from hitting the ground, and just by the strength of the umbilical cord, her hopping over the fence pulled him over the fence as well, and he was able to then, you know, get her down like in a supine position and pull me out and snip the umbilical cord. Thank you, Adam. That's an image that I'm never getting out of my mind. So that's the story. We don't have to keep it in. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, that's, that's it. So yeah, Apple TV. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, check it so, out. <laughs> <laughs> Highly recommended. <laughs> so, um, to recap, it sounds like Ray was a minor part in your life, but it. I'm making a little bit of an assumption here. He embedded himself into your subconscious and has been with you throughout your entire life and everything that you do and think and are is because of having watched Raymond. Is that what I'm hearing? That is absolutely. Well, maybe I don't realize it, but I think that is true. And I think I've just had a breakthrough in this very moment. (laughs) I'd also like to add, because I just remembered this right now, uh, when I was leaving New York, my friends threw me kind of like a going away thing. And uh, we went to a comedy club and Raymond himself showed up at the comedy club. What? Wait, really? Uh, yeah. And did, did, a, a set? did a short set. It was probably like wow. 
10, I want to say probably longer than 10 minutes. I don't know. We weren't timing him, but, uh, he was, he was great. He was funny, enjoyable to watch. Um, that's awesome. I think I heard he used to be like one of the hardest working comedians when he was doing it because he would go to like five clubs a night or whatever, five nights. It was just like all the time drilling his set. That's awesome. That's super cool. How is he looking? He, he looks, looking good? He looks the same. Healthy. <laughs> he just, his, all I remember about his set was just basically talking about what an idiot his son is. <laughs> wow. Some things never change. Yeah. History family repeats man, family itself. Humor. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be funny if Ray did like a like vulnerable, like, you know, uh, Gerard Carmichael, Rothaniel kind of set or special where he, you know, confessionally he turns to the audience you know this is hard for me to tell you guys but nobody knows this about me but i have an overbearing italian mother who involves herself (laughs) in my marriage (laughs) everyone's like we know (laughs) that's a that's a great Um, bit he should he should buy that from you i i think that that would would crush Mm -hmm. at the we'll cut it out and then i'll put it on a hard drive hard drive not a flash drive and mail it to him. <laughs> send him the motherboard. I'll yeah. send him my old Dell CPU. <laughs> you figure it out. But there's something good in there once you do. Um, okay. It sounds like we made the right choice having you on. Not only have you seen, you're the second person who's been on this show who has seen Raymond yeah. in the flesh. This is the second oh, Raymond yeah. sighting. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> who, who was the first again? Well, three, if you count Steve. Brian. Oh. Oh, yeah, Steve. So I guess the third and the second yeah. who is not in Everybody Loves Raymond Writer. Yeah. Um, who, incidentally, Steve Scroven wrote this episode. Ah. Oh, um, okay, hey, Steve, really? if you're okay. listening. He's not, but yeah. hey, Steve. <laughs> he might be. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're listening, Steve. Steve. <laughs> we believe in you, Steve. <laughs> I'm sure you're still listening. Just know we want um, you to. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway regardless um, so we're excited to hear all your thoughts about season 2 episode 12 of Everybody Loves Raymond which is called All I Want for Christmas unfortunately and actually fortunately in a way confusion wise uh, Mike E uh, is going to have to step out of oh we should say for scene setting purposes you know we do record this show in a 1997 Winnebago we call it the recreational vehicle slash Winnebago there's other details but uh yeah. we're currently parked outside of Jimmy John's uh we're trying to you know get some free sandwiches as we often do uh Mike was kind enough to meet us here but Mike yeah. E has got to go I believe you have some other business to take care of yeah yeah I gotta go meet gotta go meet uh Emmanuel and the the guy that makes the donuts so uh well uh, I'll, <laughs> oh you found it <laughs> I, I did find I did find the one who just, makes the donuts just in time for the Christmas episode Santa will yeah, be pleased yeah. <laughs> we'll uh we'll talk uh, we'll talk about it next week okay well, uh, I hope you enjoy meeting with the guy who makes the donuts and Emmanuel Macron at the Jimmy John's that we're parked outside of. Uh, it's a shame you couldn't bring the microphone in there with you, but we understand. It's confidential. So, yeah, yeah. Yes, the, of course. The French were very, very persistent about that. So uh, we will be right back after this. And uh, when we do, Mike E. won't be here, but we will go through season two, episode 12 of Everybody Loves Raymond. It's called All I Want for Christmas. 
right after this. Woo! Our suggestion is isolate. Oh, these Zoom waiting rooms. God damn it. Any luck, Adam? No, I'm waiting for this interview to start. I just want to I want to get this job, but they're they got me in the waiting room. Oh, the waiting room you say of uh, of the Zoom meeting that is. So it's yeah. a virtual waiting room, unlike the actual waiting room that you and I are sitting in right now. That has nothing to do with this. Well, yeah. I mean, I got here early. You're next obviously for this position. I'm going to take this interview and then immediately go to that interview cuz I'm like one of those guys who when I'm looking for a job, I'm super on top of it. I'm applying to 50 different places. You know, I spread myself real thin. Huh. I guess uh, I guess that means you're also pretty uh, pretty well managed in the financial department as well if you're that careful about job hunting. Well, it's true what they say. When you're unemployed, you have a lot of money to spend on things like premium podcasting subscriptions. Speaking of which, Adam, I, I, I've been looking for some more, uh, uh, you know, uh, financial wastery. Can you recommend to me your five favorite premium podcast playlists? No. Please? Oh. I can't. You know why? No. Because I only have one. What? That's right. The Baronis Zonus is the only premium podcasting subscription that I use. Because it's a monthly bonus episode of Everybody Loves, Everybody Loves Raymond with all sorts of fun shenanigans and uh, games and uh, other stuff. I can't even describe it's so fulfilling. Uh, and what's great about it is it's not, strictly speaking, a subscription because you just pay what you want one time for lifetime access to the Baronis Zonus feed. You see, wow. you can pay as little as $1 and still have all the content forever. That's a long time, man. Almost I as long as I've been that. in these waiting rooms. I, yeah. Oh, you know what? You know, while, here's something interesting for you. While you were telling me all those crucial facts about uh, an incredible podcast subscription that is available now at postfun.com slash info. It's actually or. <laughs> oh, Okay, let me redo that. I can't believe how... I forgive you because obviously you're not yet a supporter of the Baronis Zonus, but you got that web address so wrong. It's postfund.org slash Raymond. You think I would nope, know this? No shit, I got it wrong too. It's you think post you would know this? <laughs> it's postfund.org slash donate. Sorry, I'm between, like, I've got this interview, I'm doing an AIM chat interview on the side, I'm waiting for this interview. Uh, forgive me, I'm a little jumbled. That's okay. You know what? A lot of pressure is about to be relieved from you, because I'm pretty sure you're not going to get the job that you're applying for via Zoom interview, because they've been listening for, like, the last 40 seconds. Huh? And we're back. Welcome back to Everybody Loves, Everybody Loves Raymond. We're going through season two, episode 12 of the show. It's called All I Want for Christmas. Um, incidentally, IMDb says this episode is named after the song All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. Really? But hmm. the song All I Want for Christmas is You came out in 1994. So I find it unlikely that they were at least unaware of the other song 
I, I believe the two front teeth thing because that's mm-hmm. just classic Christmas song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say the reason this is the episode, well, aside from loving Christmas, uh, the log line on IMDb oh, yeah. <laughs> is just on Christmas Day, Ray tries to have sex with Deborah. <laughs> that's it. That's the, that's the log line. Yeah. It's it so is. It bad. does pull you in. It does. <laughs> like, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> so it's really immaterial what song this episode was named after because it's barely about Christmas uh, in any sense. This this is a sexy episode, so it follows <laughs> that it would be the sexier song, which is that's... not the Two Front Teeth song. <laughs> no, that's not a sexy song. That song is on the... Okay, so the sexiest Christmas song is obviously... Um, uh, this Christmas, the fireside is blazing bright. That one, uh, and the least sexy Christmas song to me is probably Frosty the Snowman. Hmm. Why? Why? Because he's uh, Frosty's a bit of an ice queen, as they used to Ooh. say in the seventies about women who didn't want to have <laughs> sex with them. But I always found Dominic the Donkey to be less sexy. I've never heard yeah. that one. What is that? Oh. One? It- it's the Italian Christmas donkey. Do you want me to play it for you? Yes, please. <laughs> okay, hopefully it works. Um, it's by Lou Monty, and I just I didn't need to look at the thing to to know that. Oop. So it'd be difficult to make love to this song, obviously. Speak for yourself, man. <laughs> I've heard this before. Okay, yeah. <laughs> la 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 la. Yeah, okay, that came back to me. Yeah. Um, Wait, you're saying I you, like... you haven't made love to that song? I'm saying that I've tried several times <laughs> unsuccessfully. It has, really, it has a really good rhythm to it. I wonder if it's, uh, you know, maybe there's some, like, nasty, kinky thing happening in the background where Lou Monty, that donkey sound is actually the sound of him, his bed, while he's making love to Mrs. Monty. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that song because it uh, doesn't take anything for granted. They do not assume that you're familiar with Don- Dominic the Donkey because they clarify the Italian Christmas donkey. Mm-hmm. Like Rudolph, they set the scene a little bit, but it's like, you know all the other reindeer. This is just another reindeer. Whereas Dominic, you have no frame of reference for. They introduce him introducing they also ask they ask if you recall the most famous reindeer of all which of course you would because he's the most famous like like, i'm trying to think about like how many people could name like all the reindeer other than rudolph and then who would know rudolph and i I have a feeling that mike's absolutely right more people know rudolph and therefore the beginning of that song is completely arbitrary yeah i agree so anyway, overall impressions. <laughs> overall impressions of this episode. How did you feel about the quality, the uh, humor, the plot, and uh, emotional depth and dynamics of All I Want for Christmas, Mike? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with one quasi tangent, which is that uh, Peacock and Paramount Plus start the episode completely differently. Really? Uh, How so? Which, which matters. <laughs> so Peacock has a has the introduction, uh, like the uh, the intro song, and then mm-hmm. it also has a little scenelet 
up top. Which, yeah, the cold which open. does matter. Um, yeah, overall, I was disappointed by the lack of Christmas in the episode. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it didn't have to be Christmas. It could have been any Tuesday, <laughs> any day of the year. Um, but they decided to set it on Christmas, especially because his family is constantly over, I think mm-hmm. possibly every episode. So it doesn't matter that it was a holiday. It could have just been That's any also true. day. Yeah. Very. Um, so that was odd. It, and then, you know, there was it's 97 i think when it came out so there's still some kind of archaic uh man female tropes as far as uh sexual intercourse and and the dialogue around it goes Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i watched it with my wife the first time and then i watched (laughs) it again mostly by myself and I did enjoy mm. it better the second time because I think I had like inoculated myself <laughs> against uh, whatever chauvinist uh, bullshit was. In there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's I guess I don't know. Did I answer your question? You certainly did. Um, I did notice the other day because um, my fiance and I are watching season one of Survivor on Paramount Plus, um, which if you want to see some chauvinistic and also racist and homophobic bullshit, <laughs> that island in 2000 in Borneo, uh, Not that's good. a real powder keg. Um, but um, I noticed that because they ran an ad for Raymond on Paramount Plus, which makes sense because it's CBS. Um, so I was unsure if maybe we were going to have to uh, you know, all sign up for Paramount Plus or share my login for Paramount Plus moving forward, like whether it was leaving Peacock or not. Uh, it doesn't appear to be the case, hmm. but it's a possibility. So we've got seven more seasons to go after this. We may <laughs> have to climb the mountain. Oh, God. That's the slogan that I wrote for Paramount Plus, climb the mountain. It sounds That's like too one. much work for, uh, you know, like for, for something like that where it's like we don't want to make people feel like they have to you know <laughs> watching our shows are the equivalent of <laughs> An climbing uphill a battle yeah exactly <laughs> paramount plus watch the mountain be the That's mountain easy. paramount plus put a quarter in the little binoculars thing and look at the mountain from far away um alex what was your overall impression of this episode um i actually i really enjoyed this one and uh, I do agree with what Mike said and that like the lack of Christmas was a little jarring because for the last like six weeks we've been talking about this one like it's the Christmas episode uh, like, off <laughs> camera. Um, so it's like going in and it's just like, wow, this is not Christmas. Um, and like, I don't know, like Mike, when you talked about like like the chauvinistic parts of this show, like I completely agree with you. The show is just outdated in a lot of ways, but it's also like scared me a little bit because like my mind did not go there after two and a half seasons and like over (laughs) half a year of doing this show i have just not even like i don't even like think to call that out anymore which (laughs) that's true we are indoctrinated (laughs) which does concern me like on a on like just a like a human decency level um but uh i did like there were a lot of jokes here that made me laugh um i think my absolute favorite was uh 
uh, Robert when Ray hung the was holding the reef in front of his pants. <laughs> yeah, saying, "Oh, we usually hang ours on the door." Uh, that was probably the hardest I've laughed in all of season two. Honestly, like it was, it, wow. it really killed me. Um, so I mean, for me, the number one important, most important thing about Raymond is like, if I have a good time, I'm happy, and I enjoyed this episode. Adam, back to you, my friend. Thank you. My overall impression, um, yeah, the premise of complaining about your wife not wanting to have sex with you was kind of hack and dated. Um, I thought they did some funny stuff with it. I liked where it ended up. Um, I didn't think, like, anything framing the scene where the parents came over uh, with Robert was not super engaging but i loved that dynamic of marie frank and robert are over which is already you know a intrusive nightmare but also ray is horny and deborah's horny Uh oh so trouble yeah so uh i thought that was funny i thought the funniest joke for me was marie as ray and deborah are in the kitchen getting all worked up and then marie comes up behind him and is like i need you Raymond." <laughs> that's true too yeah uh. that was my favorite uh joke but i thought it was a pretty funny episode uh overall i think you know the not wanting to like the whole scene with andy um and aaron at the press box was a lot of that like male like the male gaze on this conflict and it was like not particularly and andy is usually good uh is he you know no not like a good person andy's a, a freak oh, oh. but <laughs> that's what you mean. andy kindler is a good performer usually and really sells these uh you know any scene that he's in but that one just didn't work for me because of yeah you really felt that like male like chauvinistic kind of thing um but let's start going scene by scene through the episode so we can criticize it more minutely or celebrate its small victories. Uh, we start with the cold open, which apparently is not on Paramount+. Plus. Um, Ray and Deborah are scheduling something in their date books, um, and they're talking about, you know, we've had two appointments this month, and you canceled the last appointment, Allie comes up and asks what an appointment is, um, and it's sort of implied throughout the whole... I, I picked it up pretty quickly that it's a sex appointment. Um, Allie what, asks what an appointment is, and they say it's like going to the dentist. Allie's like, okay, and she walks away. Um, and then uh, I don't remember what happens Ray says in between like, this. Yeah, Ray's but, like, oh, so sleeping with me is like going to the dentist. Yeah. I wasn't sure if there was something before that, but yeah, Ray says sleeping with me is like going to the dentist, and Deborah says, uh, yeah, the uh, lay back, relax, some, I really don't remember, I should have written this down. And you won't feel a thing. Yes, that's what it is, you won't feel a thing, that's the punchline, um, which I thought was a nice little pocket joke, uh, that whole scene was... I don't have any complaints about it. I like seeing Deborah and Ray uh, both on the same page about this stuff. And it seemed like they really both wanted to find a time in their busy schedules to be intimate with each other, which is great. 
and we mm-hmm. want that for them. I'm not thrilled about where it goes after this, but um, yeah. Any reactions to that scene? Well, I didn't see it the first time because, again, mm-hmm. there was no cold open when I watched the first time. <laughs> but it uh, it definitely kind of packages the entire episode a little bit better because mm-hmm. otherwise you start in the following scene and that's got a different uh different vibe to it yeah mm-hmm. it definitely it helps to have that context that they're trying to you know make this work and put effort into doing it so that you feel Ray's disappointment or frustration in the next scene. And that it just makes a little more sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, otherwise he just seems nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, let's cut to that. Ray is getting ready for sex in the bedroom, and he's doing all these little physical things, you know, like pumping himself up and, and you know, getting sensual. Um, he home alones his armpits. He puts some <laughs> cologne on them and then... Sticks his hands in there. Old Spice. Yeah. Ah, the scent of uh, what do they say? What is their slogan? Like your grandpa fucked because he wore this or something, right? (laughs) Something like that. Without us, you wouldn't exist. I don't know. Ah, yes, some kind of thing like that. It's not your grandpa fucked in this. (laughs) Maybe I have to look it up. It depends on where the ad is being run. I think. Um. Debra at that point, so Ray like lounges on the bed uh, very sensually and Debra comes in yawning and she's wearing what Ray calls the flannel pajamas. Uh, you might as well be wearing a porcupine suit, he says. So this is a signal to him that uh, it's not going to happen. Um, Debra says she's tired from Christmas shopping, from dealing with the kids, uh, and Ray, and this is where that context is helpful, Ray says they had an appointment, and he takes out the date book and points, see the rocket ship? Um, <laughs> it's I just like, funny. <laughs> that gets called back later as well, um, which is really funny that that's their internal language for it. Uh, lift off. Uh, and then Ray, I, I got lost with this. Ray's making an analogy about sex being like a party, a pinata's involved, you wear the hat. Um, Deborah brings up. You, you <laughs> it, might I mean, not want to go, and then you just, you yeah. know, eventually you get into it. I relate, yeah. I relate to that part of it, right? Where it's like, you know, I don't want to do anything at all ever. And then just like I go and I have a good time, but it's like, I don't know. Like, it just kind of <laughs> felt like it was, I don't know. I, I see what you mean, Adam. Yeah, it was also that I was trying to, like, write notes about the first half of this scene, and then I tuned back in as Ray was saying, the pinata, the hat. Uh, so I was a little lost for that, and I decided that it wasn't worth rewinding, and it sounds like <laughs> I made the right decision. Um Debra brings up last week when she was in the mood and he wasn't. And um, she says he was not aware of this. And she says, I asked you for a back rub. And Ray says, you asked for a back rub. And that means Mr. Smith goes to Washington. (laughs) He has so many little metaphors or uh, innuendos. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, I meant to look up when that came out. But Mm. Mr. Smith is a movie. Uh, where uh, the titular Mr. Smith goes to Washington. And uh, it's 1939. Uh, 
is directed by Frank Capra. A naive youth leader is appointed to fill a vacancy in the U.S. Senate. His idealistic plans promptly collide with corruption at home and subterfuge from his hero in Washington. But, oh God, this is long. But you It's get exactly the like sex. Yeah. <laughs> subterfuge. You have to read a manual so, before you do it. Famous <laughs> filibuster scene in there. And in a way, the, yeah, the metaphor is apt. It's almost like Deborah and then... The Barones are like filibustering Mr. Smith, parentheses, Ray's penis. So, yeah, I mean, they, they're working on levels here that we don't even pick up on. Um, Ray essentially wishes that she would be more direct, uh, and he asks her to think like a man. And Deborah, as she is getting into bed, laying down, turning off the light, says, I am, I'm completely disregarding your feelings. Which I thought was a nice, like, uh, clap back from Deborah. That was that was a good um, that was a good burn. I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. solid burn. Uh, we cut to from there. Ray and Andy are in the press box. I wish uh, Mike E was here so he could tell us where the heck that external or that establishing shot was. I'm oh, gonna well. guess it's probably the Meadowlands, but probably the Meadowlands. Okay, they had a Jets uh, thing on the inside. He was talking about the Jets-Raiders game. So all those context clues. uh, See, but this is stuff that Mike E. doesn't do for us. He doesn't, like, point out, oh, you can tell it's this because he just hurriedly looks it up on Wikipedia when I ask him, (laughs) despite it being his one job. Yeah, honestly. Um, I should have just said, like, some complete nonsense. So when he does listen to this, he'll be like, no, that's not true. Well, we wouldn't have challenged you. We would have. Oh, it's the uh, London Olympic Stadium that they built. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, Ray and Andy are in the press box of the Meadowlands, um, and Ray is complaining that after eight years of marriage, you know, it's they haven't figured this out yet. They should be doing it all the time. It should be like you awake, uh, uh which was, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean problematic on a couple levels but um at that point uh aaron walks by who we've never met before uh apparently also a sports reporter or a sports person of some capacity which i think Uh, this is the first woman we've seen at raymond's uh like you know like work life yeah like i don't think we've seen a woman before except deborah it's possible in that episode um working late again uh in the background there may have been a woman maybe i, I but, did not look yeah that's true surprisingly we haven't been counting women on this show uh but we should start <laughs> that's that's good that's good all right um aaron is played by christine cavanaugh who was uh very successful in the 90s as a voice actor for children's uh tv she was chucky in rug rugrats she was dexter in dexter's laboratory and uh the pig babe in babe but she was also in jerry Maguire, and she was on frasier as well as cheers but she played different characters um so very successful she retired in 2001 and died in 2014 of unspecified causes. Wow. She did uh, really have yeah. like that iconic sound to like her voice where it's like mm-hmm. I totally buy she was a voice actor. Like she just really had that kind of enjoyable voice to listen to that like I would love to like hear like in like an animated style if that makes sense. 
Yeah. I looked her up because I recognized her voice. I was like, who is that? And What did you recognize her from? Oh, Rugrats, Dexter's Laboratory. Ah, mm-hmm. um, I think those are the two main ones. But you you hear her elsewhere in other cartoons as well. I think Powerpuff Girls, she might have been one of them. Hmm. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I definitely, she was really like nailing, I don't know what her, you know, actual accent is but that like long island new york like she was really delivering that really well um andy flags her down to ask her about women uh and basically yells at her why can't i score uh that's his question for her uh and then he tells ray to ask his question and ray doesn't want to so andy asks for him why don't you like it as much as we do uh she says women do but they prefer to be in the mood first. Uh, and then Ray says, give me directions to the mood. Um, Keep in mind, I live further away from it than he yeah, does. That was funny. Andy's tagged to that. Um, but uh, she says that for a woman, it's all about intimacy. Um, Ray says that they have three kids and no time. Is there a shortcut to intimacy? But she says, no, before I sleep with you, I want to feel close to you. Uh, and then Andy says, you'll feel close to me when you sleep with me. Uh, and then Aaron is kind of done with them and she like tears into them for being slobs and fools and idiots. Um, and then Andy hops up as she starts to walk away and tucks in his shirt, but she still rejects him because he's a slob and a fool. Hmm. Um, this scene for me like felt like very sitcom male, like... How can I get my wife to want to bang? You know, I don't understand intimacy or why do you want to be intimate? Like this scene felt a lot like that to me most prominently in the episode. Initially, when uh, Andy stood up, I didn't know he was going to tuck in his shirt. And I was (laughs) like, no, what's happening? This is Raymond. (laughs) I also thought that for a split second of like, is he pulling his what? Because he just um, has this pretty aggressive, sexually charged conversation yeah. with a female coworker, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh no!" Uh, but but he just tucks in his shirt. Yeah, the way he stands up is very pelvis forward is, yeah. as well. It's, it's like forward. you really think. Uh, thank God that didn't happen. He has a um, funny line that this is another thing I had to look up. <laughs> he says, uh, "Why do you look at me like I'm some sort of homunculus?" and <laughs> Like, I knew it was kind of a little clay person, and then I started Googling it, and uh, a cortical homunculus is, it matches the body part proportions to the proportion of the brain. So, like, huh. if you if your brain control uh, uses more brain power to you, control your eyes or your head or your hands or whatever, those will be enlarged. So, if you look up images of this, Ugh. this is, like, weird-looking person with enlarged hands and, like... a kind of mutated head i really don't want to do that but i feel like we have to make it the episode cover art now (laughs) uh, or at least put it on instagram (laughs) i mean i guess you know i i think if you can figure out how to spell homunculus you should go and look it up and if you can't you know god bless you you simple soul you've spared yourself that uh discomfort uh, we'll do a Baronis episode where we just go through pictures of homunculi and I guess <laughs> hot or not them. them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Smash or pass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, we cut from Andy almost whipping out his dick to uh, Ray coming into the bedroom. I thought this was really funny. He's singing, you better watch out. Oh, you better you watch better out. Watch out. <laughs> you better watch out. You better, better watch, watch out. out. Uh, I think that funny. was my favorite joke of yeah. the episode, just listening to him do that. It's so simple. Um, and he's presenting Deborah with this present. It is uh, magic hands, and it's a thing. You put it on your hand, and it vibrates so that you can give an enhanced massage, I suppose. I couldn't figure out whether this was real or not. I looked for it for a couple minutes. Um, there's plenty of, like, magic hands, like, bed, uh, like, massage, like, you know, like an old motel where you put a coin in and it the bed massages you. Like, that I was able to find. Uh, but I was not able to find a little thing that you put on your hand to massage your wife. Um, regardless. I'm sure it exists. Uh, yeah, I'm sure as well. I don't think it's used for the purpose that Ray uses it for in this scene, or as this progresses, perhaps it is. I found this to be almost, um, this is one where I wouldn't want my kids in the room. <laughs> As Ray is massaging Deborah, and also the way that it's framed and where his hand is going, like it's fairly pornographic uh, for this show. Honestly, don't you think? Oh no, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Deborah says, uh, "Yes, Raymond." Um, apparently, she. This is the first we're learning of this as the audience. She calls him Raymond when she's ready to go. Um, which is interesting if you peel back one layer from that and notice that Marie also only calls him Raymond. Oh. So, hmm. I think Raymond's got some mommy that, issues. Yeah, put that layer back on top of that. Um, she says, this is about to be a special occasion. Uh, then Ray, excited, you know, I he jumps up to do something and then gets the magic fingers caught in her hair. And uh, that's where it all falls apart. It's pulling on her hair. They're rolling around trying to get untangled. And they are not going to bang, we find. Uh, we cut to, from here, um, Ray is downstairs. This is the first mention of Christmas uh, in this episode. Uh, Ray is downstairs doing doing one of those old school like sweeper things that you use on a carpet. Um, and he's singing, he's cleaning up and singing in the ghetto, which is a 1969 song recorded by Elvis Presley and written by Mac Davis. It was a big hit. Uh, it's basically about a kid being born into the ghetto and, uh, he falls into a cycle of poverty and violence. And then another kid at the end of the song is also born at the same time. And uh, it perpetuates this cycle. Um, it's probably not a, uh, you know, it's a little problematic in this day and age, I imagine, but a, f a fine song altogether. Um, he's also wearing Santa boxers, and uh, we find out later that the kids gave it to him. Uh, Deborah comes downstairs, and she's watching him clean up and sing his song, and uh she says that uh, he gave her a shiver uh, because he looks sexy. 
He's wearing the boxers. He's taking care of the house. He's just being an all-around good guy. Uh, Ray says, sweeping? That's what does it for you? Uh, and they start making out. And uh, Ray, at that point, pushes her away and says, what are you doing to me here? Uh, it's Christmas. Allie's up. And my parents are coming over. You've activated the launch sequence now. So there's the callback to the little rocket ship on the uh, date book. I didn't catch that. I hope he doesn't like yell lift off during or contact or no, what he other does a, spe- He does a Jimmy Stewart impression. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Adam. It's you're time to me- go to Washington. Ah. <laughs> Jesus. I wonder if Mr. Smith ends up in the moon. I don't know. He does. He does mm. offer to get uh, whoever the moon in. In uh, it's a wonderful life. Oh yeah, that's true. So you want the moon? I'll get you the moon. <laughs> so there's the connection. That's what. That's obviously what Ray was doing. Is he's a huge Jimmy Stewart fan. Also, <laughs> he finds himself. Uh, he he just thinks that the rocket is the best possible metaphor for his penis. He unites his two passions. And there we go. I think we're going to end up, by the end of this show's run, end up linking literally every piece of media that has ever existed to Raymond in some way. It seems unlikely that with 200-something episodes... No, we're going to do it. No, I was going to say that that doesn't happen. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, we're going to do it. Yeah. Because I feel like we've Um, we've already got like 25% of all of media ever done, you know? It's true, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of references in this show. There are. Um, so, Ray, uh, you've activated the launch sequence now. Uh, and then at that moment, the door opens and his family comes in, Marie, Frank, and Robert. So he grabs a wreath, which, you know, thinking about a wreath is probably the worst thing that he could grab. <laughs> he highlighted it. The middle it's just... To hide his boner. Uh and he holds it in place there. Uh, Robert gets the button on the scene. He says, nice. We usually hang ours on the door. Uh, which, you know, if Ray can hang the wreath from his boner. That's pretty strong. More power to him. Like, that's yeah. that's impressive. That is impressive. Wreaths are, they're kind of heavy. It depends on, and this looked like a heavy one with like pine cones and ribbons and stuff in it. It's like... Even holding up a a plain wreath is kind of impressive. We'll do a Baronis episode, Alex, where we see, you know, maximum load. Maybe not that phrasing, but... (laughs) No, I like that phrasing. (laughs) How much you can lift. Um, So, Ray... uh, So, we go to a commercial break from there, and then when we come back, Ray goes uh, upstairs to put some clothes on, uh, Frank is wearing his Christmas sweater, uh, and he starts to take it off and Marie tells him not to, but he says, sweater or pants, something's coming off. Um, let's take a vote. Point, Which one comes off sweater or pants? I think for everyone's benefit sweater, although Ray's already set the precedent of no pants. So maybe that becomes the theme of the night. I don't know. Christmas uniform. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. I well, thankfully for everyone, I imagine Frank chooses the sweater. Robert at that point finds his uh, this police dog ornament that they got him on the bottom of the tree, 
And that sort of starts off the Barones going over and redecorating the whole tree, the lights, the tinsel, the everything, all the ornaments. Um, Frank takes the lights down and Marie tells him to stop messing with them. You and your stupid lights, didn't you learn anything from that fire, you maniac? Um, <laughs> Which I just, I love the <laughs> lack of context there. Yeah. <laughs> and then Frank tries to murder his wife. Um, and then Robert breaks the top off of the tree. Um, Ray comes down at that point, crosses to the kitchen uh, where Deborah is. Wait, you, uh, missed, she, you missed a good, uh, you missed a good joke that sure. I wanted what to highlight. It? It was when Ray saw Robert broke the tree and said, you just hate anything bigger than you. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> so, like, his whole family hasn't seen the tree yet. Presumably. But it's Christmas Day, and they're there all the time. That's true. That's, that's one issue I did have with this scene, is, like, how is no one, like, you put up your tree, not Christmas. You don't put it up Christmas morning. It's probably up several weeks even if even if you're late uh and then they had all these issues with it another weird thing is how the scene opens where where ray is just cleaning up afterwards and as far as i can tell he's childless in this moment (laughs) there's there's no kids making noise they're just i don't know where they are um yeah it's a very bizarre christmas morning uh, which it is was, very weird. Yeah. Which is why I'm like, it doesn't have to, you don't have to make it Christmas. <laughs> it doesn't it's feel fine. like Christmas. Like, stop trying to force Christmas into this episode. <laughs> it doesn't belong There's no uh, Christmas specifics besides the set decoration, really, and then the tree bit. And, uh, and, the, uh, and the present bit. Oh, yeah, that's true. True. Which but I, that also seems like an afterthought. And that, that that's something that could have been in any episode, too, right? Like... It, it didn't. It wasn't inherently tied here. Yeah. Um, also, Robert can break the top off of a Christmas. He's like a freak oh, of Robert nature. Has <laughs> ripped a shower head out of a wall. We've seen him like you know he broke a bidet somehow. He um, what did he kill? He crushed something to death of mice and men style. Um, I don't remember. <laughs> Was it a kitten? I don't know. But we heard about that as well. Like Robert is, has is superhuman, superhuman strength. I think he's impervious to fire as well. Didn't we find that at some point? Um, yeah, he is a tree is nothing to him. Also, at the end of this this episode, he seems to leap up to Ray and Deborah's bedroom. <laughs> That's right. I love the idea of just seeing all of the shots of Robert that are just mentioned in the show of him ripping the entire bathroom <laughs> wall out, leaping 30 feet in the air. <laughs> like should do a um, super cut. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, we'll call Brad, see if he'll agree to do that. <laughs> um, I have a feeling he will. Oh yeah. I was going to say, uh, it's possible that the reason they're only redecorating the tree now is that Ray and Deborah are out of the room and they can do it freely. That's true. Deborah went Checks to go out. like whisk her eggs or something for the eggs Florentine, la la. which they're about to eat. Um, so yeah, Ray crosses to the kitchen and Deborah's in there and she starts fixing his buttons, uh, which is a very int- uh, intimate uh, activity. 
and um they kind of get into it a little bit they're getting into it they're getting all horny and at that point marie walks up behind him and says i need you raymond (laughs) (laughs) we want to open our presents um so yes they leave uh go out into the living room marie got deborah a house coat just like hers um frank takes like a very perfunctory picture of it and uh robert got ray a model p51d mustang flown by chuck yeager uh i tried to look this up but it was just too boring to share it's like very specific airplane stuff like oh the teardrop cockpit and like who gives a fuck chuck yeager <laughs> uh is the pilot he like broke the sound barrier or something also didn't i don't care look I'm a complicated person with many layers like we all are. I don't give a fuck about aerospace and I never will. I'm drawing the line in the sand. How do you feel about rockets and launch sequences? Well, metaphorically speaking, I do love liftoff. There's nothing better. Um, Where was I? Um, Yeah, so... P-51D Mustang, uh, but Ray got the visual gag of Robert handing Ray this huge gift and Ray quickly hiding his tiny gift uh, also is very funny. Ray got Robert some golf balls. Uh, I thought it was very nice of Robert to try to make Ray feel better. Oh, these are nice golf balls and three of them. <laughs> um, but Ray says Robert uh, should take the plane over to his house so that it's safer um, I thought Robert's face when Frank had them turned for the picture was very funny, <laughs> like classic misery on Robert's face, but a smile nonetheless. Uh, Deborah tries on the house coat and asks Ray, asks Ray what she, what he thinks. And he says, I just got a shiver. Uh, call nice him back to earlier. Call back. Yeah. Full circle, but not a good shiver. Um, we sort of fade to them eating dinner. Uh, Robert says that Deborah's eggs, eggs Florentine were extraordinary. Eggs Florentine is eggs Benedict, but with spinach uh, and sometimes in with spinach in place of Canadian bacon. Uh, hmm. You're welcome. I hope you enjoy <laughs> going and making that. Um, Marie says Deborah's really coming along as a cook so a little backhanded compliment there and then frank abruptly stands up he's done it's time to watch football but ray has him come to the kitchen help clean up the dishes give deborah the rest of the day off she's been doing all this stuff cooking etc when when Um, ray did that i for like 30 seconds i was like like excited because i thought that ray's initial interest in doing nice things for sex is kind of just like passively pass like just like passively causing him to like start just helping out just without the expectation of anything in return and then you know he actually opens his mouth um yeah in the next scene and my hopes were then swiftly removed <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty transparent what he's trying to do deborah you know, at the start of the episode, complained about being tired, having to take care of all the stuff. So, Ray thinking ahead, 
I'm going to make sure Deborah has a chance to not be tired so that she can have sex with me. Um, Frank, uh, very resistant to this, but eventually agrees. Um, and then Frank tries to get, uh, or Ray tries to get Frank and Marie to take the kids for the afternoon. Also to remove another impediment to good old sex. Um, and he, Ray beats around the bush, says, you know, it'll give Deborah and me a chance to relax. Frank says, "What? relax, what do you need to, and then he suddenly gets it. He, you know, sidles up to Ray, and he's like, ah, time for a little nookie, eh, sailor? Um, and on Christmas Day, and then he almost tells Ray about one Easter where he and his mother, dot, 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 um, and I just want to interject yeah. and let you know that growing up, well, not growing up, but when I was a baby, that is what my pacifier was called, was a nookie <laughs> in my house. <laughs> well, that's so uh, weird, interesting. Weird crossed that, wires. Was, was that a little eye opening for you or just like? I mean, it took years for me to find <laughs> out what nookie meant in the in the sexual sense. Mm-hmm. And years after that to you know, go into therapy and untangle the uh, connection that was forged. The knot remains tight. <laughs> um, Frank immediately calls for Marie uh, and like st- almost storms out, grab the kids, you know, we're going to march out of here. And uh, he says to Marie, they want to relax. We need to let Ray and Deborah relax. Uh and Marie, uh, or he says, uh, Marie is like, relax, what do you mean? And Ray's like, uh, Frank is like, uh, do I have to hit you over the head with a rubber mallet, woman? Uh, you know, don't you get it? Uh, which, a couple, a few too many uh, threats of violence mm-hmm. from Frank towards Marie in this episode. I do like how, like, it took him, like, you would say a comedically long time for him to kind of get the insinuation and then, you know, turning around on Marie and like yelling at her yeah, about how she couldn't true. possibly get it, you know, within a second, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was just enjoyable. I, I do appreciate his dedication to hooking his son up. Uh, yeah, it's, that's it's true. like he's evacu. It's like a nuclear evacuation the way he does it. <laughs> he's just like, everybody, out. we got to go. Like it's well, an emergency. <laughs> he doesn't know that they've been having trouble like getting it together. So right. he just so thinks this is just knows, another time. <laughs> <laughs> this could be the second time today. He's uh, nothing if not supportive for just this thing and no other thing. <laughs> He's a, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, it uh, seems strangely fitting for Frank to be like supportive does, yeah. of just this. His priorities line up with this pretty well. Um, Marie realizes, and I thought her line read of, Raymond, it's Christmas Day. The baby Jesus was just born. Uh, <laughs> Robert comes in with the plane. He's like, oh, we're ready for takeoff. And Ray, uh, Frank says, uh, patting Ray on the shoulder, you know, so is your brother. Um, the rocket thing is a, it's a family uh, yeah. you know insinuation it seems that metaphor has been passed down from you know uh da vinci's helicopter all the way through to rocket ships every aerospace every, 
Italian. innovation. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, Frank is ushering everybody out, and he turns back and says, flash the lights when you're done, we'll come back over. It Suddenly, really, uh, the kids it really... materialized. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He went and got the kids. Um, yeah, what were you going to say, Alex? It just kills any mood that would have been there if kind of just does. Ray didn't try and take that initiative. Um, and he just kind of was just, you know, a good husband. It's just it, yeah. it's just frustrating to me. It's just like, come on. Also Ray. very satisfying in a way, though, the way you frame that, because he's his own worst enemy, right? So if you just oh, did what you were supposed to do and shut up, then you you would have been fine. That's also yeah. very true. He should have known what asking Frank to leave would have done. I mean, it's it, you really he shot himself in the foot on this one. It's and, the frog and the scorpion, and his dad's the scorpion. Hmm. I don't Did think you know that? of us know oh, what man. that is. Well, now I feel like I got to explain it. I'll do it as briefly as uh, possible. Story about a frog and a scorpion that have to cross a body of water, and the scorpion says, hey, if I could just get on your back, you could swim us both across. And the frog says, but you're a scorpion. You're going to sting me. And the scorpion basically says, no, I won't. So he gets on, and then halfway across, the scorpion stings him, and the frog's like, why are you doing that? Now we're both going to die. And the scorpion says, it's my nature. Oh, mm. Well, that's, that's now, sad. Now, now that I've said that out loud, I don't know if Frank's a scorpion or not. But uh, I think, I think it's very apt. Like in all of the interactions and the dynamics at play with the Barones, it's like they can't help it. A lot of times, they're always right. going to revert to their nature. Uh, is that an Aesop? It the could frog and the be, but it might not at all be Aesop. It might mm. be some other dead person it seems unlike it seems like he had that market pretty cornered um you know not a lot of people were doing the animal uh lesson stories until aesop came along or aesop just took credit for everyone else's stories a uh, bit of an asshole uh a-e-s-s-o-h-l-e <laughs> an asshole. um an asshole. um so yeah, they leave, the door shuts, and Deborah is just done. She goes off upstairs. Uh we cut to Re- Deborah annoyed in the bedroom. Ray enters. Uh she says, The moment has passed. Um and Ray is still trying to like, you know, convince her to do it. Um and she says, You don't want me to fake it, do you? And Ray really has to think about that. Um because for Ray, maybe it doesn't make that much of a difference. Um, he probably wouldn't <laughs> notice. Yeah. Which he does admit to, which is a little sad. Yeah. Deborah says something to the effect of, how do you still want to, you know, do it after that atrocity that just happened downstairs? That makes Ray realize, oh, it's them. They killed the mood. Uh, he says, <laughs> I'll like, put on the shorts. How, how did he not know? Yeah, <laughs> it does seem fairly obvious. Mm-hmm. Which, when you when you realize that Ray is just a big fat idiot, it makes mm-hmm. him way more sympathetic. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, it's true. You'd think. I mean, he never learns because his you know the conflicts repeat themselves. Uh, but if he 
give him the the benefit of the doubt that he can't learn yeah he's very <laughs> he's a very sweet sort of stupid character yeah this is this is a sad story in that case yeah um but he tries to get her back in the mood. He says, I'll put on the shorts and the sweeper and in the ghetto. In the I Him yelling in the ghetto is very funny. <laughs> uh, Deborah says that shouting at her isn't going to help. We should, you know, try talking. Um, Ray sits down. I thought it was going to be a very sweet thing. Like, they timed it out very well. The bait and switch of him saying, you're the most beautiful woman on the face of the earth. And I will know that for the rest of my life, forever. Uh, and, you know, Deborah can tell that this is just nonsense. And she calls him pathetic. And then he uh, very frustratedly storms out. And she calls him back. Uh, she doesn't call for Ray, though. She calls for Raymond. And uh, Ray uh, says, you know, you called me pathetic. And she says that he's never sexier than when he's pathetic. This got a little kinky, didn't it? This like there's makes a... so much sense, though. <laughs> like, this explains a lot of their relationship. It explains kind of, like, how Deborah and Ray kind of, like, work behind the scenes to me. I kind of know. Like, it kind of just yeah. filled in some dots for me. Yep. Yeah, you can definitely see that Deborah is not just dominating in the day-to-day life of their household, but Ray is a bit of a sub. I wonder if there's going to be an episode. You know, it's been a while since we've watched this. I wonder if there, we're going to see an episode where Ray gets cucked. You know, I, I feel like I would have remembered that. I don't know. You didn't remember the magic hands, did you? I guess not. I mean, maybe for me, at least, maybe when I was younger, I didn't realize what was going on. Maybe there's an episode where we don't see it on screen, but, you know, Ray is like, oh, you slept with Andy in front of me and I loved it. It might be an Easter episode and there's (laughs) there's no eggs and there's no bunny and there's no (laughs) reference to Easter. (laughs) But there is a cucking. Definite cucking. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, chickens, you know, cuck. Chicken's gonna cook. Well, that's what uh, it's from cuckoos, right? Mm -hmm. That lay their Mm -hmm. eggs in other. The Latin root. (laughs) They start to bang. So, yeah, uh, this turns them both on and they start to bang. And we hear like a steadily increasing whine. I thought it was like him using. That would have been maybe a little too explicit, but I thought it was him like getting the magic hands out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, legitimately that would have been better that's a maybe two that's like a you know you can tell that joke on paramount plus but not on cbs but it's the model airplane i thought it was just a model but it's like a remote controlled uh and it crashes through their window and then very quickly afterwards robert is at the windowsill (laughs) so unless there was a ladder there already no he hulk jumped yeah, he like it two scaled. The, it is three? two stories. Yeah, oh, no. okay. It's the second story, I think. Well, it's the basement, ground floor, st- floor on top of that first floor if you're European, but second floor in this country. Um, yeah, very very quickly he's up there. Um, no ladder hitting the side of the building sound effect, but yeah, we have to assume <laughs> he just leapt up there with his superhuman thighs. Um, 
he says, hey, Deb, and falls down. Or he says, maybe we should keep the airplane at your house, and then says, hey, Deb, and falls down. And I think he takes their curtains with him or something, um, which is just a ridiculous way for this episode to end. Like the twists and turns, first it was about them having sex, then it was about Christmas for like half a second, and then back sex to again. sex. And then Robert is, you know, if we chose to follow this hot close, uh, the opposite of the cold open, of course, uh, we would see Robert in the hospital recovering from many broken bones. But um, again, most of Robert's interesting life is just implied to be happening off screen. So Robert knew they were having sex up there. Like he assumed that that is because true. because Frank announced it to the entire household. <laughs> that is true. You think so, it was a purposeful strike. So he jumped up there and hung out in their window of their bedroom. That <laughs> just, is true. He didn't know what he was going to find up there. No, he yeah. was I mean, likely the house assuming empty. that's what he would see. I wonder if he purposefully directed the airplane to crash into their bedroom window, either to like stick it to Ray or, you know, maybe there's a... Some more nefarious purpose. My, under my that. recollection of the series, and maybe this is cloudy, is that uh, Robert has kind of a thing for Deb. Oh, that is yeah. True. It's it's okay. it's very much implied. I feel in in a number of different points in the show. Yeah, and I re- I remember in the cucking episode uh, <laughs> when he's just having sex with Deb. Uh, he he yeah. mentions that too. <laughs> it's subtle. We, but, um, yeah. We, here's a plug. We did a uh, fan fiction, like a fan written episode of Everybody Loves Raymond uh, on the Baronis feed where that is what happens. Like Robert and Deborah <laughs> have an affair and then get they married. get married. Yeah. That was fun. We, we should do more of was, those. Yeah, we should do more of those. Um, but we go now to our hot clothes. It's the episode of the cold open. It's Ray and Andy at work. Uh, Andy Ray asks for like change for a dollar for the vending machine. Andy, uh, you know, gives it to him. And then Aaron walks in, uh, from before and kisses Andy and then walks away. And Andy says, you were right, Ray, go pathetic. And then walks away. Ray calls after him. Don't abuse it. Oh my God. The implications of that are too many to unwrap. <laughs> there, there are two types of lessons in Everybody Loves Raymond. Type one, nothing gets learned. And type two, the wrong thing gets learned. <laughs> Just insane. So now let's uh, turn to our classic barometer. It's the scale from one to ten on which we rate Ray's performance as a husband, brother, son, lover, uh, sweeper. Uh, you know, comparing him to the terrible men of sitcom and television history, your Don Drapers or Walter White, men who actively harm their families, uh, with that being one and ten being the great dads of all time, your Danny Tanners, Carl Winslow, uh, Uncle Phil, all these, you know, luminaries. So let's, I want to start with Alex yeah. just so Mike can get a sense of how we do this. But, uh, Mike, where is Ray coming in on the barometer for you? Is this, this directed at me? I thought you were starting. Yeah. Did I say I, Mike? Yeah, I yeah. meant to say Alex. Yeah. Alex, where is <laughs> Ray coming us. for you on this episode? It's like, I want to start with Alex, but, <laughs> but I'm not going to. Um, 
Um, so yeah, Ray, uh, I mean, he spends a lot of this episode basically trying to solve the Da Vinci's code of, of sex and failing, like learning the wrong lessons along the way. And, um, just overall, not really kind of like doing things for the right reasons. There are a couple moments where Ray is kind of just like overall, just being a, you know, a fine husband, like he's sweeping up, cleaning, um, in the middle of the, of the episode, Deborah said he played with the kids all morning and all that stuff. Um, and once he learned that that was kind of what did it for her, you know, him being a respectable human being, um, I, I feel like his, um, you know, his, his motivations from that point on in the episode are just entirely corrupted. And I feel like I can't really give him that much credit, uh, because he really was thinking with the wrong head for the entire episode. Um, I think I'm going to go. God, I don't want to say five because five feels too high. I think I'm just I think I'm going to go with a straight four out of ten. He was overall not a great uh, husband, not a great brother. He bought his brother golf balls for Christmas. That's um, true. And just just overall, I feel like he just. He dug his own trench this this episode. It just all his problems were caused by him. It's not that hard if he just talked with Deborah. I don't know. Closer to Bill Cosby the person than Bill Cosby <laughs> the TV dad. Yes, exactly. Wow. Now you're getting all it. right. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Well, Where's Ray coming in for you? Well, I'm not going to give him less than a five um, because I I don't think he was evil necessarily Mm -hmm. i do think he was self-motivated um i don't think his interest in having sex with deborah was so that deborah felt good (laughs) or it was very (laughs) much like ray wants to have sex for ray i think Mm -hmm. but i also think you know when he's when he's offering to do the dishes and things like that if you do the right thing for the wrong reasons you're still doing the right thing it's very utilitarian, mm-hmm. but I don't know that you should be docked points for that because ultimately the end result is a positive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I th- he definitely learned the wrong lesson with the pathetic thing. Passed it on to Andy, who for some reason that I, I, I it just happened to work. I don't think that it would work with every woman you encounter. That's <laughs> I'm going to give him uh I'll give him a no I'll give him an 8 because you an mentioned eight? yeah he he played with the kids on Christmas morning he cleaned up afterwards no one asked him to That's do true. that um, and he did buy Deb uh massage uh hands That's magic true. hands uh, mm-hmm. again for him it was it was self-interested but she got a pretty sweet back rub until her a uh, scalp was nearly ripped off. So, <laughs> I'm I'm hopeful that Deborah will use the magic hands of her own accord. Um, but, but maybe she'll get some utility out I, of I it. I think that's the secret, like evil genius of the magic hands. Like you can't really massage your own back with it. Mm. I'm not talking about your back, Alex. Oh, oh, I'm, an innocent. I'm innocent. Yeah, I forgot you're just a cherubic little naif who came <laughs> off the street. Um, 
terrible word choice on all fronts. God, um, that was such a sincere <laughs> reply from me too. That's so funny. Okay, uh, for me, I I'm gonna be more on Mike's side than Alex's side. I'm gonna be a little more generous to Ray. Not eight. That's very generous. But I'm mm. gonna go. Ray's all, almost uh, perfect. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, I don't know if we've ever given him <laughs> eights before. No, he's gotten um, an eight yeah, once or twice. Yeah, occasionally. I think. Um, for me, I do think, yeah, his motivation is pretty suspect throughout the whole thing. He, I, I think he tries. I don't think that he should have asked Andy for advice. Um, that's not going to get him anywhere. Um, but I think he did try to take Aaron's advice, I think. It, he wasn't happy about it, but, you know, getting the magic hands, trying to create some intimacy, and it was going well for a while. Um, and then it seemed like, you know, Deborah was ready to go until he blew it by telling Frank. Um, and then they ended up finding a... I guess they found a sexual dynamic that works for them after eight years of marriage, which, you know, we have to applaud them for. And I always give Ray a bonus point when we can confirm that he had good old sex, but I don't think we ever confirmed it in this episode unless they kept going after Robert fell out the window, which is possible. Uh, I'd, I'd give it a hard maybe. Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to put in any sound effect to the effect of, you know, he just had sex, but um I I in my personal head canon he did. Um so I'm going to give him a 6 seems right because you know, I will take like the utilitarian argument that Mike was saying of like in the end, you know, it helped him become more intimate with Deborah. It may not have led to anything or to the outcome that he wanted, but they got close and it made them closer, I have to assume, once they found out their, you know, kink towards the end of the episode. <laughs> um, and, you know, Andy being a little, like, pest or whatever is one thing, but Ray did help him form a relationship with somebody so that's pretty nice he's a good friend in that regard um yeah i'll give him a six so all together that's uh, gonna average wait, two can i can i bump up to a five you sure. and you and mike kind of turned me around on this a little bit not a oh. lot but a little bit speaking of mike uh e left this sealed envelope uh, where he has put his barometer rating for this episode. Uh, so let's play the tape recorder of the drum roll, and I will reveal that Ray... Okay, so it says, Oh shit, uh, that's a really tough one. I guess a 4.5. He was kind of whiny, but ultimately it's good to want to screw your wife, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds that sounds like our Mike. That sounds like Mike. Frank gets a two though. Uh but four point five, yeah, I agree. Frank really blew it. Um means our average is coming to five point nine this episode. Not bad. Uh so since we've come back from the break, we have been very close. Five point five, six point two, five point nine now. 
for our last three episodes. So we are really lukewarm on Ray, and that's how we're <laughs> ringing in 2023. When is the last time I gave I gave Ray a an eight in season two, episode nine, the gift where he gave Frank a, an aquarium? I don't uh, know which if I thought I've, was very kind of him. I don't know if I've ever given Ray an eight. You have given Ray. Oh wait, I was looking at you. Oh, actually. okay. I guess I gave Ray an eight. That was you. I gave Ray an eight. Well, I gave Ray a nine for that episode. I gave Ray an eight for Why Are We Here, the season one finale. Um, and I don't remember anything about that episode. Um, but hey, that's not bad. 5.9 is pretty good. So uh, that is this episode, season two, episode 12. Next week, we are going to be talking season two, episode 13. It's called Civil War, and hopefully this is not problematic, but I have a feeling Uh-oh. it certainly will be. Uh-oh. Tune in If for I'm that. remembering this correctly, Jesus Christ. Um, but we want to thank Mike so much for joining us. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Mike, is there any two, two-part question? Do you have any final thoughts you want to leave us with? And is there anything you would like our listeners, who are many, there are so many of them all over the world, and we love each and every one of them, and they are powerful. Uh, is there anything you'd like to direct them to? Oh, well, I guess, uh, have you ever watched Somebody Feed Phil? Phil Rosenthal's have, yes. show? I don't know what this is. Uh <laughs> I think I feel like it will help inform your your Raymond viewing if you watch that show and know that that man is the executive producer of the show. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, it just gives you a different lens to look at it through, and it has an awesome theme song as well. Uh, yeah, way it too does. good of a theme song for the show that it is. <laughs> so that's yeah, that's he's my. Very- uh, He's very charismatic, uh, mm-hmm. just likable seeming dude. Um, let's see. I guess I'll plug a couple things. We'll go to uh, my theater company, bigtheater.org. That's also Olivia's theater company. Um, that's, that's when we started together. And we're not doing anything at present, but everything that we have done is at uh, bigtheater.org. Uh, it's theater with an R-E. The, Ooh, the fancy, fancy way of spelling That's the it. fancy one. Yeah. Oh, we're a highbrow show now. And Big, and I'm going to plug a stupid TikTok I've been making. And <laughs> I only have six of them right now. But uh, it's called the Rump Limbertush Program. <laughs> and it's an animated send-up of a, rump, of a uh, Rush Limbaugh-type character. So AM radio, conservative talk host, uh, and just the things he talks about, just a just a send up of uh, the sorts of things that annoy me. Sounds very. <laughs> that funny. sounds great. Uh, very good. Yeah, we will direct people to. It's funny that you are doing that because when I was looking up in the ghetto, it turns out that uh, on Rush Limbaugh's show back in like the '90s or something, he had a parody made of in the ghetto called in the yugo do you know what yugos were they were little weird uh yugoslavian cars like little mini hatchback kind of things um but were kind of like fuel efficient so the premise of the parody song was uh an environmentally conscious family has bought a yugo and they're driving across the country and then they swerve to avoid i think it was a duck and then they end up in a ditch and die um so 
hilarious. Classic uh, and then comedy. The guy came back and updated that like 10 years later or whatever when hybrids came out to an even better pun, in the hybrid. Um, who says <laughs> conservative comedy isn't funny? Wow. Awesome stuff. But that is a weird coincidence. But yes, we will direct people to that. For us, uh, Barone Zone on Instagram and Facebook. I almost said Twitter, but I didn't this time. Uh, Raymond at postfund.org is our email address. Postfund.org is our website. Uh, we got the shop where you can get stickers uh, of Alex's great design of our logo and Robert and all the good stuff over there. Um, and I, on Mike's behalf, I will plug Screwing Your Wife. Alex, anything to plug? Uh, buy our stuff. <laughs> great. Okay, so there's only one last thing to say. It's our classic sign-off, and I'm going to have our guest of honor start it off. Mike? Everybody loves Raymond, and and we love love you. you!